Hey everyone, I'm Brian Hoops and you are listening to Walking Through Fire. When we reflect at certain historical events, people tend to remember the big figures, the people who were essentially in power during those. For example, when people think of World War II, Hitler probably comes to mind, or Franklin Delano Roosevelt, or Winston Churchill. When the U.S. landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong may come to mind, or maybe Stanley Kubrick if you believe the moon landing was staged. But today, think about what you know in regards to the Cuban Revolution of the 1960s, late, late 50s, early 1960s. Fidel Castro probably comes to mind. Maybe Che Guevara on one of those shitty Hot Topic t-shirts. Or probably John F. Kennedy. One person who probably doesn't come to our mind is our subject today, William Billy Alexander Morgan. Morgan was an ex-U.S. Army soldier who served in the U.S. Army during the end of World War II. Bill Morgan, after being kicked out of the U.S. Army, fled to Cuba and played a major part in the training and commanding of anti-Batista forces that were aligned under future Cuban leader Fidel Castro. Bill's story is a bit of a complicated one, but very interesting to say the least. And with that, let's go into the early life of Bill Morgan. William Alexander Morgan was born on April 19, 1928 in Cleveland, Ohio. Though he was born in Cleveland, shortly after the family was moved to Toledo, Ohio, where Morgan spent the bulk of his childhood. Bill's father was a strict engineer, and his mother was referred to as Miss Cathedral for being a very devout Catholic. Bill, despite being from a relatively middle-upper-class family, Morgan ran with the uh, the neighborhood street toughs of Toledo, which uh, I say that sarcastically, but actually looking more into it at this time, uh, the Midwest crime families of the Italian mafia actually had a very strong foothold in Toledo. Um, Bill dropped out of high school around the age of 15 and rode the rails around the country. Bill flowed around the country committing petty crimes. At one point, he was arrested in San Antonio under suspicion of armed robbery and larceny, but it looks like he didn't end up serving any time for that in his teen years he worked a bunch of random jobs like at one point he was a roustabout for the circus which is like a guy who like sets up the tents and shit and in uh, 1944 he joined the merchant marines but that didn't work out for him either because he returned home a few months later needless to say morgan's family described him as being very unpredictable one story i was able to find with one of his sister's accounts Uh, She described her brother as being restless and couldn't stay in one place at a time for too long, which I can kind of relate to because I grew up in, at least I spent my teen years in a fairly small uh, suburban town north of Cincinnati. So I can understand, you know, where his mindset is of him constantly wanting to get out of his, you know, small town, which is ironic for me because I literally just moved down the road to Cincinnati. So um, anyway, she brought up a time where her parents were vacationing in Florida. It was just just their uh, mom and dad. And when they were driving back home to Ohio through Florida, they spotted Bill on the side of the road hitchhiking. In 1946, shortly after Bill turned 18 years old, he decided to join the U.S. Army. He took a train from Ohio to California for basic training, and while on that train ride, Bill met his first wife, Darlene Edgerton. As I said, they met on a train and got married after knowing each other for less than 24 hours. If you served in the army, 
it's probably literally the most like stereotypical quote unquote new private mood move he could have made. Uh, he'd be checking off a few other boxes too. If it turned out Darlene was a stripper and he like bought a car his first weekend off base with an interest rate of like 37%. Um, the two got married at a small chapel in Reno, Nevada. And then Bill hopped back on the train and went to California to go to basic training. So Bill completes basic infantry training. He is then assigned to Bravo Company 35th Infantry Regiment, and I believe they were a part of the 25th Infantry Division. Um, accounts from the guys he served with said that Bill talked a ton, and they nicknamed him Yabby. Bill was sent to be a part of occupation forces in Japan. Uh, so he keep this in mind, he joined in 1946, so World War II was like just over, um, and he missed it, which I think will play a factor later, because I think one of the reasons he wanted to join was to see combat, but again, he joined right as the war ended. While there, he annulled his marriage with Darlene. Their marriage lasted less than a year, but that shouldn't honestly be a surprise that a marriage between two 18-year-olds that knew each other for less than a day wouldn't have lasted. So again, it kind of uh, kind of goes back to that stereotype of the brand new private. Bill wasn't heartbroken about the annulment for his marriage. He rebounded pretty quickly and had a child with a Japanese-German woman named Setsuko uh, Takeda, I believe is how her last name was pronounced. In 1947, Bill went AWOL to spend time with his family and was caught after three months. He was locked up in the brig but escaped when he jumped the guard, stole his uniform and his uh, gun as well. Bill was again recaptured and set to be court-martialed this time. He was charged with escape and armed robbery and he was sentenced to, and this is directly off the papers I was able to find on it, to be honor or to be dishonorably discharged from the service, to forfeit all pay and allowance due or to become due, and to be confined at hard labor at such a place as the reviewing authority may direct for five years. From what I could find, Bill served only three of the five years he was sentenced to. I couldn't find exactly where he did his time at, but if I had to take a good guess, it was probably at Fort Leavenworth in Kansas because that's typically where the military sends all their serious offenders. Uh, Bill was not a model prisoner by any means. He was sent to solitary confinement a few times and got some more infractions for like refusing to work. Um, so I'm really, I'm really kind of confused about how he only served three of the five years. But anyway, he got out. Bill gets out and after his sentence, he returns to Toledo, Ohio. He was dishonorably discharged from the army, and at this point, he was technically a felon. So, a lot of the job opportunities that could have been open to him were immediately closed. He developed connections to the mafia and became a sort of one of what they would call an associate of one of the Midwest crime families. He did small jobs for them, such as he was a driver, a lookout, a runner, etc. It was said that he was a good shot, but it didn't seem like he was a hitman or like doing like robberies or anything for him. He was just doing kind of menial tasks. I think Bill grew tired of his work with the mob and wanted to try to go, I guess, as straight of a life as he could. 
So he returned to the circus and became a fire eater. While there, he married a woman who was a snake charmer. I couldn't find her name. Uh, with that, he and his new wife moved to Miami, and then Bill became a clown, I believe, at the same circus, and also worked as a part-time bar bouncer. In Miami, there was an influx of Cubans who had either been exiled or fled their country due to the impending revolution. The Cuban Revolution itself is a very complex topic, but it does play a major role in the story. It is deserving of an episode itself, as well as events that surround it, such as the Bay of Pigs invasion, which is a really interesting topic because it was the first like major CIA publicized fuck-up that we know of in our modern era. So I'm going to explain a kind of like large overview of what was going on in Cuba at the time. So forgive me if I'm just going to, if it seems like I'm just going to yada, yada, yada this. Cuba in the 1950s saw a rise of the di dictatorship under Fulgencio Batista. Batista's regime first came into power through a military coup and they were incredibly corrupt. Uh, for example, in the U.S. at the time, this is when the FBI really began to start cracking down on La Cosa Nostra and the Italian mob. So Batista's regime essentially allowed mobsters a safe haven in Cuba. The mafia opened brothels, hotels, and casinos. And I think at one point, Meyer Lansky, a prominent figure in the American mob, even held an official Cuban government post. The economy of Cuba as well was suffering and people were starving, and that's also in addition to just, like, anyone who disagreed with Bautista was just being executed in the streets. Around the 19, around the mid-1950s is where the anti-Batista movements began, the largest one being the 26th of July movement, and that was headed up by Fidel and Raul Castro, as well as Che Guevara. Again, I kind of just breezed over that, but I just wanted to give a general idea as to what was going on in Cuba at the time. So it's 1957 and after living in Miami for a few years, Bill had befriended a lot of Cuban exiles. Uh, one night while at a bar, Bill got hammered and gave a speech to all these Cubans that he knew. He talked about how he hated Batista and then went into a story that his good friend Jack Turner had sailed into Cuba to deliver guns to the 26th of July movement when Batistan forces captured him. Turner was then tortured and then thrown to the sharks, literally thrown to the sharks. Bill also said he met Turner through the army because they both served together during the Korean War and Turner saved Bill's life in combat. Obviously, Bill's story was complete horseshit because he was never in Korea. I want to do a quick fact check of... Uh, some of the stuff I said in the last part, I found conflicting accounts on where Bill actually gave the speech at, but in the end, it was ultimately at a bar or a cafe. Was he drunk? We're not completely sure, but would you honestly put it past a felon, clown, carny to hit the sauce and start making up bullshit to a bunch of strangers? Bill, I think, had probably a drinking problem because when you see pictures of him when he's in cuba he clearly has got a pretty pretty nice beer gut going there um 
But yeah, I couldn't, like, I've been blackout drunk many times, and I've woken up in some strange places, but I couldn't imagine waking up on an actively sailing boat and going up to the captain like, hey, uh, where are we going? And him just being like, we're going to Cuba as you requested, senor. I, I would, at that point, probably just be like, oh, man, I, I uh, should probably cut back on drinking. But overall, Bill was wanting to go to Cuba. Bill clearly lied about his experience in combat. I think he still had the mentality of wanting to be a soldier because, as I mentioned earlier, he had joined the U.S. Army right after World War II, and he never got the actual chance to see combat. Had he just not been a fuck-up in the Army, he could have actually served in Korea because that broke out a few years later in 1950. But I believe this was his last chance to actually serve in battle. At the time, he was approaching his 30s and gained enough contacts to move him into Cuba. I couldn't find anything that pointed to Bill being an actual communist or having communist beliefs. And he kind of seemed to believe that the revolution in Cuba would turn it more into a capitalist country like the United States. Also, one thing to keep in mind, too, was that Fidel Castro, who was leading the revolution, he was at the time preaching anti-communist beliefs because he was trying and later succeeded in getting backed by the United States government. This was convincing enough, though, Bill's stories and his uh, you know speech that he gave. It, w- it convinced enough of the Cubans he had met, and they agreed to smuggle Bill into Cuba and link him up with the 26th of July movement. Bill abandons his family later in 1957 and arrives in Cuba. When he arrives in Cuba, he is told that he won't be able to make it to Castro's forces, but is informed that he will be taken to another anti-Batista force that is forming in the Escombre Mountains. This group would be known as El Segundo Frente Nacional de Escambre, or the Second National Front of the Escambre, which is headed by a young student organizer named Eloy Gutierrez Menoyo. The Second National Front is informed that they are to receive an American combat veteran. When Bill arrives at the camp of the Second National Front reminded me a lot of the scene in Cool Runnings when Doris and Sanka first meet John Candy. I found like three different accounts from uh, guys that were at the camp at the time, but they kept describing him as fat as fuck, red-faced, freckly, and Bill also did not know a word of Spanish. He depended on people being able to speak English, but a lot of people didn't. Um... A lot of the members of the Second National Front that were at the camp didn't think Bill would stick around for long because he looked really out of shape and just wasn't acclimating well. So they fucked with him constantly to try to make him quit and go home. Bill was actually able to gain the trust of the Second National Front uh, revolutionaries pretty quick, though. This is mainly because... As with most armed revolutions of the time, the people who fight against the government and like the established military are typically students or artists or basically every every person who has never fired a gun or been in a serious fight in their life. While Bill never actually served in combat during his time in the army, he did remember the infantry training he received. One thing to kind of keep in mind about the people who fight these revolutions 
is that they're not trained soldiers. It's like the equivalent of giving like all the demonstrators that were in the Occupy Wall Street movement guns and telling them to overthrow the government. It just would have been a plain bloodbath. So Bill begins training the men and women of the Second National Front. Uh, one kind of funny story I found about during this time uh, was that while Bill was teaching classes on uh, typical like combat skills, such as like bayonet training, how to shoot, and moving as a squad, uh, one thing he did also teach them in addition to that was how to throw knives. And it's kind of funny because in an interview with one of the guys that he trained, uh, the guy said he was kind of confused because it seemed like it was more of a circus trick than something that they could actually use in combat. I just picture Bill trying to act like some tough-ass drill sergeant to these uh, Second National Front guys, but teaching them other like circus tricks, being like, Okay, ladies, our next class is how to ride a unicycle while balancing things on your nose because it, in combat, this is going to save your life. Bill eventually takes command of some of the national second national front members he trained and gets his first taste of action this is by complete accident though bill had set his men up in the jungle but didn't fully understand the orders he was given because again bill does not speak spanish about six batistan soldiers come into his unit's uh kill box and bill has his men hose him down uh, the Batistan soldiers get away, but they come back with 200 more. And Bill, at this time, they, they pursued Bill and his unit back to the site where the 2nd National Front base was. And all the, all the uh, fighters from the 2nd National Front are forced to flee. Bill, however, though, was able to organize the 2nd National Front fighters into a defensive position to counterattack counterattack the Batistan forces. When, again, the Batistan forces entered Bill's kill box, they opened fire on uh, Batista's men again. During the ensuing fight, Bill impressed the 2nd National Front fighters by taking command of small teams and directing their fire. In 1958, Bill sends his first letter to his mother. In it, he discussed his belief that what he was that he was fighting for the freedom of the Cuban people, and he also detailed some of the atrocities that he had witnessed by the Batista government, and pretty much said that this reinforced his beliefs that he was fighting for good. By the fall of 1958, the group of the Second National Front that Bill commanded had not lost a single battle. At this point in time, pro-revolutionary radio stations were praising the American soldier who had joined their ranks. The war raged on in the Escambray Mountains between revolutionary fighters and the pro-Batista forces. It was brutal, and one example of this is when Bill's platoon was hiding outside of a village in the Escambray. A Batistan patrol of about 80 men came and ransacked the village. The Batistan forces got drunk while they were pillaging, and the sergeant in charge of the outfit approached a 70-year-old man who was mentally handicapped. The old man didn't really understand what fully was going on and suggested to the sergeant, why don't you search for them in the mountains? This pissed off the sergeant, and he ordered his men to hold the old man down. The sergeant approached the restrained old man and cut his lips off. The soldiers 
of Batista then tied a noose around the old man's neck and dragged him down the road. I probably should have mentioned it at this beginning, but I really hope that you don't have children around listening to this. After the am- after the Batistan soldiers mutilated the old man's body, Bill's forces followed the army unit out of the town and set up a hasty ambush. Bill's 17-man unit struck the Batistan force and they only left 16 out of the 80 alive. One witness after the battle said Bill's unit passed around a shotgun after the ensued ambush and they all talk- took turns shooting the dead sergeant's body. However, though, there was a slow rift forming within the 26th July movement that was headed by Fidel Castro and Che Guevara and the Second National Front, which was headed by Menoyo and Morgan. Menoyo viewed Castro as a potential dictator, and Menoyo also wanted to establish a legit democracy. Castro was beginning to be more open about his communist beliefs, and that didn't par well with Bill Morgan because he was very much an open anti-communist. It seemed from some of the readings I did, the 26th July movement was more the face of the revolution, whereas the Second National Front was bearing the brunt of the fight. But I kind of think that can be a little bit open for debate because the 26th July movement, they kind of received a lot more press within uh, the Cuban newspapers and the radio and whatnot. There was another incident where Guevara was dispatched to send his soldiers to take over Morgan's soldiers' position. Uh, Morgan was bent on not handing over his battle space, so Morgan and his men ambushed and captured all of Guevara's forces. Uh, when Guevara arrived, Morgan and him had a heated exchange. Morgan ended up releasing all of Guevara's forces, but when they returned, Morgan's men had taken all of their weapons and their boots. Eventually, the 26th July movement and the Second National Front were able to put aside their differences. On December 31st, 1958, the combined revolutionary forces captured the city of Santa Clara, and Batista fled Cuba shortly after. On New Year's Day in 1959, Morgan's forces arrived in the city of Cienfuegos, and Morgan declared himself the mayor. The revolution was over, and Castro was officially in power. During the revolution, Morgan married his fourth wife, Olga Maria Rodriguez Farinas. For those of you who think you can't find true love, Bill is barely 30 at this point, and has already been married four times and just has been slinging dick around the planet. So don't worry, you'll eventually find someone. Morgan was reveled almost as a folk hero back home in Toledo, Ohio. At the time, Castro promised a return of democracy and personal freedom to the people of Cuba. Castro, however, quickly began consolidating power with the 26th July movement, and Minoyo and the Second National Front were being left out of government operations and major government positions in Havana. In August of 1959, one of Bill's former mob contacts got a hold of him. The contact offered Bill $1 million if he agreed to assassinate Fidel Castro. Because the mob at the time really hated Castro because he pretty much booted them all out after he came into power. Later it was found out that the idea of assassinating Castro, this was bankrolled by then Dominican Republic leader Rafael Trujillo, who allowed Batista sanctuary in his 
country. Morgan met with Maynoyo and let him know that he had been offered to assassinate Fidel Castro. Maynoyo and Morgan both met, both met with Castro, and Castro pretty much told Morgan to go along with it. So the next step was Morgan flew to Miami, and he met with a leader of the Cleveland mob, a representative of the Dominican government, and a former Cuban police chief. They planned to launch a counter-revolution to restore power to Batista in Cuba. Morgan informed Castro of the plan, and Castro told Morgan to continue to go along with it in order to draw out any loose ends that he could take care of in Cuba. Morgan met with the pro-Batistan government officials that were still in Havana and then flew back to Miami to collect payment as well as weapons for the oncoming revolution. The FBI was waiting for Morgan and they detained him for interrogation. He was released, flew back to Cuba, and met with the pro-Batista conspirators who were almost immediately arrested by the Cuban police. The people that Morgan originally met with in Miami, the Dominican government representative, the head of the Cleveland mob, all those guys, they had no idea what was going on. So the second approach to their plan was to, or for at least Castro and Morgan, was to fake an uprising. They started setting off fake bombs, shooting off machine guns, and relaying false radio transmissions to be intercepted by the pro-Batistan government, as well as Dominican forces. The plan was to fly in members of the Dominican army, which they did. The planes parachuted in weapons and equipment, which were seized by the Cuban, the pro-Castro Cuban government, and the Dominican forces that landed were immediately captured after a short firefight. The staged revolution that Morgan and Castro had planned went off without a hitch, and all virtually all anti-Castro resistance had been jailed at this point. Morgan and Castro went on to expose the conspiracy of the U.S. government, the Dominican government, as well as the Bautista in exile government on international television. J. Edgar Hoover saw this and immediately took off his dress in high heels and had Morgan's U.S. citizenship revoked. And for those of you who don't get that, J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the FBI for a good chunk of the Cold War. And during his time in office, he led a bunch of anti-communist, anti-civil rights, anti-LGBT, anti-pretty much everything campaigns while secretly being gay himself and cross-dressing. Which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being gay at all, but like, when you see everything that he did, like, he was a piece of shit for it. Morgan was dubbed by the international media as the American Commandante. Morgan went on to try to establish legitimate businesses with the Cuban government. He established a frog farm where the legs of the frogs were sold as a delicacy, probably to somewhere like fucking France, and the skins were used for like purses and other like accessories and whatnot. Uh, at this point, he was just wanting to run a straight business and spend time with his family. Like I said earlier, he wasn't really hoping for this to be like a communist revolution. He was 
hoping that the revolution would just kind of form to his own personal vision. There at this time in Cuba was a lot of nationalization of businesses, and Che Guevara took over himself as the head of the Cuban National Bank. By 1960, a new revolution was starting again in the Escambri Mountains. Peasants that hated the socialist direction began taking up arms against Castro forces. Because one thing to keep in mind at this time, Castro was starting to sign trade agreements with the Soviet Union. Bill had largely been an anti-communist at this point and was very, very vocal about it. So he seemed to have to either put up or shut up. It was difficult for Bill, though, to participate in the second revolution because, one, he was the own, probably the only like American living on the island of Cuba at this time. And even outside of that, he was a fucking national celebrity in Cuba. Everyone knew who he was. But, I mean, he mostly stood out because he had an American accent. Morgan supposedly, though, had connections to the CIA this time because these peasants in the Escambri Mountains that were pretty much just poor coffee farmers were having, like, high-grade, at the time, like, high-military-grade weapons delivered to them. So this is about the mid-1960 right now. Soviet military advisors begin arriving in Cuba at this point. Bill's anti-communist group had been infiltrated by Castro, and Morgan's overall group is barely 2,000 strong, and they're standing against probably up to 80,000 men of Castro's forces. On October 21st, 1960, Cuban authorities found out that the CIA was planning to invade Cuba, and Bill was called to a government meeting in Havana. He was arrested on arrival, and his wife was placed under house arrest. Two months later, Olga is allowed to visit Bill, and she lets him know that she is planning to try to escape the country. Bill was given a trial, but he had the mindset and kind of understood that counter-Castro trials from before that he had seen, it was pretty obvious that he was going to be executed. Bill was sentenced to be executed and passed off a letter for his mother to a journalist that was granted to see him. On March 11th, 1961, Bill sees his wife for the last time. In the dead of night, Bill was executed by firing squad at La Cabana Prison. And that... I mean, that there ends the life of Bill. Um, but the upside of the story, in 1980, his wife, Olga, was able to leave Cuba. She entered the United States, and she moved to Toledo, Ohio. Reports were surfaced about Bill in around 2002 because Olga began petitioning to reinstate his citizenship posthumously. She was successful, and in 2007, Bill Morgan was reinstated as a citizen of the United States. He is still, though, buried in Cuba. And that was everything I could find. That was the life of William Alexander Morgan, the American Commandante. So, hey, everyone. I just want to thank you for listening to me ranting about this. 
for however long it went for, like 40 minutes or some shit. Uh, I just want to give a special shout out to to uh, Chris Gwynn. Thanks for the words of encouragement, and also to uh, Brian Giesner, Evil as well, for uh, shooting me some uh, some nice messages. And uh, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I hope uh, hopefully we can keep this going. Uh, I know I've been inconsistent with how I'm releasing episodes and everything. I'm gonna have a lot more free time up until about mid-January, so I'm going to try to get at least two more episodes out until then, and then I'm probably just going to try to go on a bi-weekly schedule, and then hopefully get it to, um, get it to a weekly schedule, uh, but go ahead and check out the Facebook page, we're also on Instagram at Walking Through Fire Podcast, uh, join the Facebook group, and then also, I always post the link for the, uh, Anchor uh, website to go through but if you think that it's too much of a pain in the ass we are also on google Podcasts, we are on spotify we are on breaker we are on overcast we're on pocket cast and we are also on radio public uh i know some people are like where do you get podcasts from those are all different uh different places where you can get them from and we're going to expand out even more i'm going to try to put out more content as much as i possibly can I'm just, I I have a hectic schedule, but I love doing this. I love doing the research and everything. So again, thank you everyone for listening. And I should have another episode out here in about another week or so. But thanks again. And yeah, stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook.